Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. We have a guest who has a remarkable story. And it might be a source of inspiration to many of you out there listening who are going cold turkey, essentially. And I suppose you're sitting there in this cold, miserable January evening. We're trying to inspire you all, and myself, of course, to change a few bad habits. And this story is much, much more than that. George McCabe, a successful business owner and the founder of G-Force Fitness, grew up in Tala. From a young age, his life was full of trauma. At eight years of age, his father was sadly murdered. At 18 years of age, his brother was murdered. Just unimaginable, really, isn't it? And George then found himself involved in gangland crimes, which left him kneecapped. How he went from a life of crime to one of great success is just incredible and proves you really can achieve anything if you try hard. And he joins me this evening. George, hi, how are you? How are things, buddy? All good? Good. George, and congratulations on the success of G-Force. I've heard the name, seen the place many times myself. Not that, by the way, I have the energy to even go in. And <laughs> if I even look in the window of, of a GM, I feel tired. <laughs> yeah, puts a bit of fear in a few people, all right? George, <laughs> let, let's go right back to your childhood. Before, I suppose, your dad was murdered, uh, you talk about the trauma of a, of a young age. What was going on yeah. in your young life? I mean, were you kind of... Uh, was there drugs involved? Was there alcohol involved at a very young age? Um, yeah, well, like the alcohol and the drugs would have only came um, after the effect of, of losing my father, for the gentleman. And yeah. before then, would have been more just chaos between my mother and father. Like gentlemen, they didn't they didn't really get along, so he was always in and out of the house. Yeah, um, living back and forward, gentlemen. So, which my older brother, which uh, he also passed away. He kept moving out with me dad, so it was kind of more my dad and Eddie and So there was, there was kind of drama in the house from day one, really, wasn't it? Yeah, there was always drama around the house, yeah. Yeah. And many of his words. that loved each other, but he just couldn't stand each other. Either, <laughs> I know. I, I know. I've heard of that all right, yeah. And yeah. Well, how many was in the house? It was just you and your brother and your mum and yeah, dad, was it? Four of us, so I have a twin brother. Yeah. I have a younger brother. Yeah. And then I had my older brother. Okay. And I suppose four lads in a house as well, you know, that, that brings its own problem, its own set of problems yeah, too. Yeah. And how did you get on? How did you get on with your brothers? Um, yeah, well, me and my twin brother were like talking chairs, like we stuck together, so everything. My younger brother was very quiet. Yeah. Um, my older brother, as I said, he was kind of mostly always with me dad, so yeah. he kind of was stuck to me dad's hip. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we got on really well. Like, we always, my dad always brought us out on the horses and all when we were younger. When he, when he was around us, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and did you have any idea when you were kind of eight years of age or in around that age, did you have any idea of, you know, what was no, about to be thrown? Did you, did you know they were involved in crimes? No, my mum used to always bring us to prison to see me dad, but he used to tell us that he was in hospital. Right, okay. So we, we always thought he was uh, he was in hospital or something. So she used to tell us that he was in hospital when we used to go visit Right, okay. And I suppose at that age you'd believe that. Yeah, you just thought it was yeah, special. Yeah, we were only seven, kind of, then, yeah. really six and seven, you know what I mean? So we were kind of believing whatever was going on. And just out of curiosity, I'm just curious now, what sort of life did your dad have as a young man? Did, was he always my involved? My dad was in a carpenter. Like, he was, uh, see, what happened to me, dad was mistaken identity, but he, so he wasn't really, he wasn't a, he wasn't a, a gangster in that sense, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. It was more, it was more, um, and who he was, who he was related to, who was, well, I don't think he's going to say much about that. But, yeah. um, he, it's just the, the more, individuals he was mixed up with. Yeah. 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 It was more the fact of, um, as far as I know, what the paper said it was mistaken identity. Like he wasn't the yeah. intended target, you know what I mean? Okay. 
And at, at 18 years of age, your brother was then was then murdered as well, which is just unimaginable. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. To be honest yeah. with you, that was a uh, that was when it all kind of went went up a year for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I set a goal that was to live past live to my twenty second birthday. Yeah. And that was kind of all I ever seen. I didn't ever seen past that. Like, why you just felt that you? What did you feel that they, that, that was your life? That was it. You were. Of course, I just yeah. felt we were close as a family. That my brother, my dad died at twenty-four. Yeah. Um, my brother died at twenty-one. Yeah. Um, and he left a six-month-old baby behind him. My dad left us. So I just said, me and my twin brother were just convinced that we were we were touching goal. Like, you know? Yeah. What's next? Like, um, yeah, what's what's going yeah. next for the family? And then the road we were taking, like, was kind of was just like, let's just go hammer, let's just go hell for letter. So, um, how, so how did you how did you get involved in gangland crime? We were hanging around with a big group of people as it was, like, and yeah. as soon as my brother was kind of, with the lads we were hanging around, with, they were all related to the people that was involved in the gym that kind of fueled it. Yeah. So we were kind of all all in, in like in around it, but wasn't involved in it. Yeah. As of yet. Um and then when my brother got murdered, um the groups that we hung around with, they broke into two. And I fell out with a load of my friends that I hung around with and we fell out with a load of other people and then a load of other people came on top that were involved with another few that came on top. I know I know people so are thinking me. people are listening and they're saying, well, What's this got to do with addiction? But when you're in, in that life of crime or you're in that life that spiral well, I suppose you can do yeah. The only thing you can do on that life of crime is to take drugs is, is so you can build up that uh, yeah. fear factor. Like Because when you're, if you're not taking drugs, you're always going to be paranoid and you're always going to be freaked with what's going on. But if you're laced up on sleeping tablets, mm-hmm. drugs, you you have no fear against the world. Like you, you, you're a King Kong, you know I mean? you'll take on anything. So we used to wake up every single day and I used to take about 30 to 40 D4s, D10s a day, every single day. Wow. And I used to just chew them every day. Like I used to wake up and chew them. D10s, D4s, D30s. You um, smoke about 30, 40 grams between the lot of us a day. You used to just go around just chasing people that we were fighting with. You used to kick in houses, kick in doors. Just doing absolutely And were you, I mean, George, were you, fright, were you ever frightened or were you a hard man? I mean, did, did you consider yourself it was, a hard no, man? No, I was never. I was far from a hard man, but it was just what the de- it was just the hand we were dealt. Yeah. So you either had to suck it up and take it, take it head on. Or you had to sit back and take your slaps because if you, if you weren't able to do what, to do what you were required to do to keep yourself afloat, you're only going to be left behind and then you're going to be fighting with both sides. So. Yeah, and, yeah, and I suppose when you're, in that, when you're in that lifestyle, you can't show any weakness, really. Sure you can't? You can't show any weakness. We were able to have a, I was able to have a knock when I was, young, when I was, a, when I was a young lad. Like. Yeah. Like I was able to have, like I was able to look after myself in, in a sense, like, but I was never, I was never a proper, like a mad, hard gangster. Like, I was never class myself as a gangster. Mm-hmm. I just clashed myself with something that just ran around with a lost soul looking for his brother's fucking his brother's redemption and at what point can you remember the day that you said I can't keep doing this I'm going to end up in a coffin I'm going to end up somewhere I'm yeah to... me and my brother sat in the field with a with a, a homemade uh, machine gun and we were going to shoot each other in the head oh god yeah we sat up in the valley and we were going to kill each other, yeah. So we were sitting there saying to each other because uh, he got stabbed in the face, received 190 staples in his face. Um, this was after, then I got shot as well. 
So it was just kind of like the world was going against us and we just said, so what, fuck, we're just going to take our lives and just end it now and leave our family in a bit of peace down the line. And what age were you then, George? Yeah, what, what age you? Yeah, I was, at that age, I was 22 or whatever in there. Yeah. Yeah, and I was 19 when I got shot. Wow. What was that, what was that like, by the way, getting shot? Yeah. I don't know. Most people obviously would never know. Like, most people would like, never know the like, feeling of being shot because like setting your whole body on fire. Because I remember somebody once telling me they got stabbed, right? And they said, "Did you ever get a bo- did you ever get a born?" Yeah. So amplify that way about a hundred times. Did you ever lock a muscle in your body? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. So your whole entire muscle, your jaw, your fingers, your nails, your toes, any muscle in your body locks into a spasm. Like you're getting there. I remember somebody telling me years ago when they got stabbed and he said to me, he said, the weirdest thing, he said, I found out when I got stabbed that when you get stabbed, you don't get a stabbing pain. You know how people talk about, oh, if a stabbing pain in my side. Yeah. He said, being stabbed stabbed doesn't actually feel like that. No, no, no. You know? No, uh, but even when my brother was stabbed, he... uh, he still chases. He still, he ran after the young for that. That's right. Yeah. He didn't know that his face was. He didn't know that he, his face that he got stabbed in the face. Yeah, I I watched somebody being stabbed one night. I had the horror of watching oh, somebody. I, um, yeah, I was I was working as a DJ in a nightclub, and there was people dancing on the floor, and there was a bit of a barney broke out between three three lads and this girl, and I shed her handbag on her, and I seen her reaching into her handbag, and the DJ box was up high, so I could see everything. And next minute, she just did this kind of stabbing thing to the three of them. And I didn't know what she was doing. And then one of the lads kept talking to her while after she did it. And he had a white T-shirt on him. And within seconds, i just seen his T-shirt go in the centre from white to start to go red where the blood was spreading. And he looked oh, down. He had no idea that she had stabbed him. Seemingly, she was a hairdresser and she used the scissors. They know the hairdresser scissors. That's what she took out uh, of her yeah. back. And Some of the women are worse than the men. Yeah, I know, and I but I just couldn't believe that the guy continued to talk to her like nothing had happened. He didn't feel it, and I, yeah, that's what no. I was I was asking you. Different type of feeling. We'll, most of us, will, thankfully, will never experience being shot. And I was just wondering what that. The feeling worst was. thing about the worst thing about that was was the aftermath. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess teacher walking for nineteen years and then I can't take them either. Yeah. So, yeah, me legs. And I was on because I was only 19, the doctor wouldn't give me any heavy painkillers, so that's when I picked up an addiction of sleeping tablets. Uh, the doctors wouldn't issue me any uh, any heavy painkillers for the for the pain, so I had to go out and take. And that's how I picked up the addiction of taking tablets and uh, smoking grass. And has, had, by the way, did they do permanent damage to your leg when they shot you? Yeah, I can't feel the right side of my leg now, and the bullets are still lodged in me. Wow. Well, One of them broke into nine fragments and landed in my foot. And uh, damaged all the nerve on the outside of me foot, so on the outside of me calf. It's just like uh, dead pain, like it's on. All I, I can't on. imagine, George, what that life would be like to be lying in bed at night, you know, wondering if somebody's going to kick me door in and put a bullet in me constantly all the time. Uh, it, like, that must like, have been a you're, terrible life. Um, when, you're, when, when I think of it now, I, I think it was, I, I, I don't know how I've done it, but when you're sitting there and you're laced up on sleeping tablets, as I said to Pat, if you never took sleeping tablets, anyone that's listening on this show, mm-hmm. It, when, you, when you take a load of benzos and a load of sleeping tablets, uh, if 50 blows came through your door, you'd run down at them and yeah. have a go at everyone. You have no, it takes any type of. Yeah, you think uh, you're a superhero, yeah. You yeah. are a superhero. You, 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 that's what literally what you are. That's what you become. You, know, you, you have nothing. Mm. There's no knowledge in your head to even have you to think that you're, you're going to 
be affected. So you'll just charge anyone on them. So and that's what ninety percent of me and my mates lived on. So okay, let's get so back to you and your brother sitting in the field. He's being stabbed. He has staples in his face. You're sitting there with a homemade shock or uh, automatic rifle or whatever it was. And you're going to take each other's lives. So what stopped you? Me ma rang me. Me ma rang me and says that I have a treatment centre for you to go to if you want to get your head together and get clear. I thought she was going to do the typical Irish thing and your ma ring and say, George, get your arse no. home here now. No, I owed a lot of money out in Jumla. Yeah. I owed a lot of money out to people. I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. I, I, imagine, I imagine when there's drugs and all that kind of criminality involved, money just becomes worthless, does it? Um, you don't. It's like the money. <laughs> when you're selling drugs, like you, the money comes, but you still have to pay out money, though. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Like you still owe money out. So like, like when you're living in a life, like you still, you're out flashing, flashing your money, but you still have, a lot of bills over the back of your head as well, like, you know what I mean? So you're just woken up money that's coming in that you need, and then you need to push money back out. You know what I mean? So it's just a space of circle, isn't it? I'd say, I'd, say, I'd say millions have probably passed through your hands at some stage, you know? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't that I wasn't that type of, I wasn't that, that type of gangster. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have been anywhere near that. Um, I saw a few petty uh, yeah. bit of grass here and there. Um, got myself into a bit of trouble where I had to do a few things for. Um, yeah. No, I wasn't that type of gangster, no. So your ma, your ma got you into go a good Irish ma, she got you into a treatment centre. Uh, yeah, in Scotland. Okay. I've done 16 months, in, about sorry, about 15, okay. 14, 15 months in Scotland, in a centre in Scotland. Uh, oh, and, and, what was, and what was that like when you were there? I mean, did you did you fail at um, any stage? Well, that, that's, when, that's, when, that's, when, that's when everything kicked in for me. That's when the paranoia kicked in. That's when I thought everybody was attacking me. I ended up having a fight with three young in the centre where they were going to kick me out in the second week. Um, then I explained the circumstances and that I was really sorry and I apologised. Um, so I, like, I went over there to face me, to face me first, you know what I mean? um, and to face the people I hated, the people that I, that I, I got into all that for, you know what I mean? So yeah. I stayed there until I forgave them all. Yeah. So I forgave the person that killed me, brother, forgave the person that killed me, dad. Um, just wanted to forgive them all, you know what I mean? And just wanted to get out of my life. So, uh, uh, what I taught, got taught in treatment was is that I can never, I will never let go of the past if I don't forgive the people that done it. Which took me, which took me. It's very hard, hard by the way. I, I don't know, you know, even if you're a hardened, hard man, it's very hard to forgive yeah. somebody knowing, you know, they killed your brother or they killed your father. Or It's not even the fact that, I, uh, what am I going to, like, well, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I know there's nothing you can so, do about it, of course. Like, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, so like, I can, what, I'm not going to live the rest of my life with Something that I can't that that yeah. that's me control. Yeah. So I either have to put my brother at peace and put my dad at peace and, and move on and show them that I, that I can produce a better life. Yeah. Um. And that's what I set out to do was to change the legacy of my name. That was to bring a new life to the McKay was, family. Was, was, I was going to say, was McKay. that hard after your the time you spent in Scotland? Um, when you, it wasn't too when you hard came home. because I didn't have. It wasn't too hard because I wasn't. Like I wasn't that type of uh, life. I wasn't that type of, I wasn't a heavy gangster, do you get me? Yeah. I was just a small young fella involved in the group of... But when, you, when you came uh, back, but when you came back, was it not a case of a lot of your old mates, the hanger-ons? Um, no, they, of, all, they all had respect, mate. They all had yeah, respect. Yeah. And they all moved on themselves. Like, we all, like everybody, so like what we were involved in was a, was a, was a three-year blip yeah. of mayhem in Germany and Crumlin that just went nuts for three years and everybody was just going against everybody like that's just yeah. how things went that died off pretty quickly like you know what I mean and then everyone started kind of setting them back down like 90% of your mates now have kids and they're all in their own life you know what I mean yeah 
So, um, some so, of them didn't, some of them unfortunately have passed away. <clears throat> so you came back, I'm assuming initially you were on the dole, um, and because you wouldn't have had any money. Yeah. Uh, and then no. what, what, what gave you the my idea of the fitness? My social welfare actually went. Oh. My social welfare went to a, to a, to a person I owed money to. Oh, okay. Oh. For two years. Right. Until I cleared it all, all the bill I owed to him. Okay. So you went to the debts uh, Yeah. I just I wanted a fresh life, so the only way I get rid of a fresh life was cleared and everything that, that I had in the past list. So where did so the, so where did the idea come for a fitness centre? Where did that come from? Well, I, I got a job in the kitchen as a kitchen porter, and I'm quite, I'm quite, um, I'm quite the type that I don't like setting up for one thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. even when I was doing little things back in my day, I always like to climb the ladder as quick as I could. So I got a job in as a kitchen porter, and um, I made the pots look cleaner than the bottom. <laughs> so they end up offering me. They said you were very hard work, and you love to see you. You seem to work very hard, and you've never missed a day. So they offered me a job as a chef. Yeah. So then I climbed from a from a, a combi chef up to a sous chef within about eight months and climbed up the ranks of the kitchen. And then I joined the gym in Balbriggan and I start uh, cooking for people. Okay. So I start cooking for people and start making them food. Healthy meals, I hope. Healthy meals. <laughs> yeah. So... I started, uh, I dropped me out of the house and then I was like, so this is good money, this is this is, this is, is better than sitting in the, in the heat of the kitchen with 16 blokes. Um, so then I decided just to go out and venture into the world. So I went into a gym um, in Drimlet, the open body firm at the Coliseum. Another great gym, uh, one of the best uh, vaulted gyms in Ireland at the moment. Uh, but I went into that gym, done a bit of training up there and then I ran a boot camp for six weeks for free. So I, got, I, asked, I asked everyone in the gym, would they be interested in doing Would they let me train them for six weeks or three? So I took 12 people into that boot camp. And I trained them four days a week, 12 of them, for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thought, they asked me, like, what the, well, why was I doing that? And what did I want them to return? And I said, I just want you to help me share the word that what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to help people. And it just ventured on from there. And yeah. G-Force then began in lockdown. Where did the name G-Force come from, by the way? Oh, one of my George, clients in the gym. George. So it was one of my clients <laughs> okay. in the gym, George. And she said, you're a force. You reckon with G-Force. She said, okay, like, okay. You, should name, you should name your should brand. Have thought, should, yeah, I should have thought of that, shouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit yeah. obvious, all right. Yeah, so G-Force yeah, Fitness. Obvious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where, where was the first gym then? The first gym that I walked in or the first gym no, that I set up? Your first gym you set up? The first gym I set up was the G-Force. I didn't, that was the only gym I ever set up. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean where was the, the, the premises? Whereabouts is it? Oh, I was in a field. Oh, okay. I started <laughs> in a field in lockdown. Right, okay. And I, I, yeah, a so lot of that, people started off good business ventures during lockdown, took advantage of that situation, I suppose, to, yeah. to some degree. You know? And and I, well, that I, church, who was that geezer on the television? He made a fortune during lockdown. The fellow with the, the long hair and the beard. What, or, what was his name? Uh, that's the body, body coach. Yeah, what was his name? He made a um, bomb. He was, a, he was on the television. Oh, he's, doing, he's doing all the kids' classes there, wasn't he? Yeah, he was on YouTube and he was yeah. on TikTok. Nah, and... he's flying. He's flying. He's all, he's all, he's, I think he's in, in Thailand now. He's in, oh, the I boys, he's in the boys. I, I just kept hearing his name yeah. all the time. He was, and the, the women, the women loved coach. him. The yeah. body coach, I think he is. Yeah. yeah. So you were out in the middle of a field <laughs> with people. Yeah, well, I started in my kitchen first. Okay. So we don't, I don't, I put my phone, I used to put my phone on the kitchen table and I used to go live on Instagram. Yeah. And I used to ask people to heat their kitchens up and get 
two bottles of water and the towel and a chair. Yeah. And I used to run free classes for anybody that was interested in staying fresh and staying sober and wanting to keep a clear head. So I ran free classes in my kitchen every night at 8 p.m. Yeah. So that went out to about 50, 60 people. I had about two, I had about about 900 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I think I had about, uh, about 60 of them follow me on the page. So I said to myself, I looked down, I looked down my window one day. I said, I just want to, do you want the shoot? You probably think I'm talking. You probably think this is a load of box. No, no, go on. I'm listening I had, a, I had a dream. I had a dream that me, me brother Eddie yeah. came to me in a dream. Some people are going to think I'm talking rubbish here. Came to me in a dream and he says to me, he says, Dodge, um, you need to stop. Because I start, I start going back down the road, slip the rope and start going back into drugs and start going back into a slight addiction to lockdown where I'm sure 90% of the country found a habit or an addiction yeah. of taking drugs and drinking every probably time they could get their chances on. So yeah. for the first six months of lockdown, I took back up the cocaine addiction. Were you ashamed of yourself when you did that? Um, I wasn't ashamed of myself when I'd done it because I actually, I actually personally was enjoying it at the time. Oh, at the time. I was, in, I, I was ashamed after about two months because I couldn't get away. Yeah. And I thought I was King Kong and I thought I was uh, able to break it to have it myself and I thought that there was nothing wrong with me because I was only doing it twice a week and then I turned into three times a week and then I turned into four times a week. Yeah. Um, and then that led to me nearly having a mini stroke. Wow. Where I was in the hospital two and a half weeks. Okay. Um, and while I was sitting in hospital, yeah. I took drugs in the hospital. Wow. My friend came, dropped drugs into me in the hospital, and I said, on the heart rate monitor in the heart ward. On drugs? Um, on drugs. And the doctor came in and said, George, how was the heart rate after jumping from 70 beats to 160? You said it was might be, might, it might be something to do with this bag of stuff I have in my hand here. It might be, yeah. So she <laughs> said, no, she, she kind of knew me as well, so she's like, I think... I know what's going on here and you need to hang that up or I'm going to bring the guy I'm going to have to get the shorties removed from the hospital. So I just looked at my mate and I said, mate, actually, you're not me. You're not my mate. No, he isn't. Why am I sitting in here and saying, take the bank and you want to bring them in drugs? I said, you're just not a a person I want to be around anymore. So then I just went home and I just said to myself, I said, oh, you have to get my shit together. Um, This lockdown is going to kill me. I have too much time on my hands and I'm just sinking into depression. So that's when I started the the classes online in yeah. the kitchen, which gave me a good six weeks of clarity in my yeah. head, gave me a clear head, fresh body, fresh mind. Look down, I had that dream then that really came with the judges. There are times now to shine. Um, you have to take this opportunity when you wake up. Um, tomorrow's your day and go get it. So I woke up the next day, looked out my window and I was just looking at my car parked across the road. I was going to go to that field and run classes. Mm-hmm. You did, and everybody and everybody thought I was nuts. So I, was, I think I was the only person that done it. I started to start. I went out to the field and I ran uh, three weeks, four weeks for free. So I got four weeks boot camp for free. Got a few people out, a few people trained that was doing me classes online. Then I charged two fifty a class, two euro fifty a class. Which then I saved up the first two thousand euro out of that money, so I didn't spend a penny over. Then I went out and bought all those people that were in my classes, uh, dumbbells. Then they all said they were getting cold with the weather. So I said, saved up another 
2,000 euro I think it was probably 1,800 euro and I went down and bought them all jumpers <laughs> and I gave them all free jumpers I bought them hats scarves um, they were complaining about the walking to the, to the field um, so I bought them yellow boys jackets so they could be seen on the road um, masks so they could train comfortably and safe so there was a bit of a mar- um, there was a bit of a marketing genius in George as well but go on yes yeah. Yeah. yes because I put my logo on everything I bought them right okay so people said to me, why are you buying this stuff for free? And I said, well, I can't afford to uh, get people to market me business. So if I'm in the middle of lockdown and I have 20 men and women walking around with G-Force jumpers on their backs and on their T-shirts and they have G-Force masks and G-Force hats, G-Force yellow boys jackets, everybody that's going to stand behind them in the show in the world is going to go, where's G-Force? Bars, and yeah. like, where's G-Force? Yeah. And that's how we... Uh, grew from so every time someone said to me don't buy that that's stupid you need to save money and spend it on yourself when I bought the jumpers you had 20 members within two weeks after me buying the jumpers I went up to 85 members mm-hmm. then we went up from 85 we went up within six months we built that up to an established business of 200 members on mm-hmm. the field so we had 200 members in the field. Uh, 5, 30 a.m. We used to go out in the ice, in the snow. So we never cancelled the class. My motto was, train in the rain or remain the same. Good motto. I'm liking if your you motto. train in the rain, you're going to look insane. <laughs> so I used, to get them to sh- I used to get them to sing that as I got them to jog around the field in the rain. Right. Train yeah, in the rain and you remain the same. I'm, right, I'm liking that. I... I yeah. yeah, I won't so steal we it on you. Don't worry. Serious stuff, mate. I'm not messing with you. We had the guy that shut us down, so we set up a secret. We set up a secret boot camp. So we were used to text. And why did the way with the guard? Always oh, in the middle of COVID. Was the guard shutting you down because yeah, of the lockdowns? Yeah, we weren't allowed to train, and we had seventy people sitting in the field oh, training. Right. Could have been so doing worse. Yeah. Down, so we don't speak <laughs> for locations. So we were like, uh, like the... we were like bandits. We yeah. were, yeah. Yeah. So we set up secret locations in the Hellfire Club in the, it's like the It was like the speakeasies in America, you know, knocking ah, the door. Yeah, George sent me. You couldn't write it. I'm not joking with the video. You were like the Al Capone of Dublin. We were speaking, right? And some of the guys right, were following some of the cars. Right? You were following the cars and stopping them. You were like, where's your secret location? <laughs> this this yeah, fella's got a tracksuit on him. He's obviously oh, he's heading towards the location. They're going for them G Force classes. They they have tells and they have uh, they have mass follow them. So the car that used to follow me clients and my clients just have to do laps around gym then used to ring me. There's no cars following us, can we come in? Well <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah, so we just built we built we built serious trust and a serious community together. Um we we all respect each other. We always brought stuff progress structure, a hard structure, yeah. kind of a mil- military story because there was so much chaos going on in the world, mate, that I wanted to bring so much um, structure to an outdoor boot camp, to a class, that they felt um, they felt rewarded after that, that they wouldn't want to go and um, sabotage the mind or sabotage the body, where they felt like that they were, that they were, that they, they look, had to look up, or not look up to me, but that proved to me that they could come to my gym, because people that used to miss a day in my class in the field, I used to tell them to leave the gym. Mm. So you well, said I don't like this. Like I used to give them, I used to give them penalties. So you wouldn't have to come to the gym for a week if you missed the class. And how many members that you got at this stage, George? So we're ne- we're now we we're now, now in have, secret locations. 
Yeah, at the single locations, we're up to about 100, about, about 200, about 120, but about only about 80 were going to leave secret locations because the rest of them were kind of a, didn't want to... Break the rules. Be up on the club to try to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> so okay. They were, they, were, they were taking the back seat and they were waiting until we got, uh, until we got the clearance off the guard. Right, so uh, so COVID comes to an end. Uh, obviously, this is yeah, so, throughout COVID. So what, yeah, what so happened so then? So what happened was, I was, I was, I was doing... I was doing with the kids. I was training all the kids' classes in the Bosco, St. John Bosco in Jimna, the yeah. youth centre. And the youth centre, I've been in that youth centre since I'm a kid, so they've kind of helped me through a lot of uh, a lot of hard days when I was younger. Yeah. So they found out that I was doing classes in lockdown, and they asked me like we had to come up and help them and train the kids in the classes. Yeah. In the in the little hall that they had. So it was like, yeah, of course, because I've been there it's all my life, so it's great to get back to the community, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went up, we were doing a few classes up there, and um, so because the lockdown came, they lost all the all the takings, like everything that everyone that was booking rooms didn't want to book rooms anymore because they didn't know that the if lockdown was ever going to be cured or people were going to go back inside buildings. You know I mean? Yeah. So they just rang me and said, "Look, we have an option for you. If you want to take it, um, we can give you the the hall. We can rent the hall out there." Now they didn't think that we were going to bring the mass. Yeah, destruction that we've brought now, like because they thought we were probably only going to last about two months. Yeah, fly by days. So I went in yeah. with big. I went in with very big ambitions, and um, just kept pumping money into it, and just everything I earned just kept going straight back into it. Yeah, because gym equipment is expensive, you know. Yeah, I was spending around probably about was like yeah, we spent a couple of hundred about a couple of hundred grand in there now. Like. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at a photograph of it here. By the way, the place looks amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's just I I I'm a I'm a bit of a freak to be honest with you, buddy. I'm always thinking of something new, and I'm always trying to give me clients something better. That looks like you yeah, know what I'm looking promise. at when I see the pictures here of all the people, right? There's one or two pictures where there's a lot of people around looking at other people. It's almost like a community of people rather than a gym. It, it, it is. It's it, we're, we're 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 only community based. We won we won Ireland's best community gym in Ireland. Yeah. Um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. We were right. We were right at the best community gym in Ireland. Yeah, it says the one. Like, look at some of the comments here, and somebody says like the lads of G Force are brilliant. They make you feel so welcome. The classes are so big, yeah. yet they all seem main, to know so everyone's name. Yeah, yeah. Our main focus is the members, and we've yeah. done some serious deals to them. And we get them uh, unlimited classes for twenty euro a week. So they get unlimited classes, uh, eight classes a day, and they can come to two classes a day. They can spend three classes, four classes. Um, yeah. Or you let people train in my gym for free. I don't talk about that, but I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to go into any details in that. Yeah. We do a lot of um, helpful things for the community. We do a lot of charity events. Yeah. And we get involved with all the skills, the addiction centers in the center. We train all the youth in the center. We train the addiction center in the center, Mitch and Corey. Yeah. Uh, we train St. John Bosco's youth center. We do all the development work with them. We sponsor all the bands. We pay for all the insurance on the bands. Well done. So they can transport the kids around. That's it. You know what? Yeah. That's some, there's something really good about the fact that you've been there, so you're kind of giving back. Is that what? Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm being honest with you, mate. Money, money means nothing. Yeah. Without happiness, if you, you you can have all the money in the world, and if you're not happy, you're still gonna. I'll still be chasing that blade next fix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or that next job. You know what I mean? My goal is to help as many people as I can. Many um, members have you now, George? Many members. We are just touching nine hundred members a day. Wow. Well done. Mm. That's just a, a small class in yeah. around 90 people. 
So what's the plan now, George? Expansion? Uh, no, I don't want to pollute it. I'm happy where I am. Um, I've no desire. I was thinking about probably opening up a cafe. Yep. Um, the G-Caf. The G-Caf. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we're at the start of a new runner club now. It's called Street Force G-Force. Right, okay. So we're doing that for free. So we opened that for the community of Germany and around the surroundings for free. We run that twice a week and we have we are into a second week, third week, and we have 300 members. Right. Running up and down the canal. That's brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Listen, yeah. you know, I, I had planned, Jane said to me, look, will you talk to George? You know, we get George on for 10 or 15 minutes. George, I couldn't talk to you for 10 or 15 minutes. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> because it's such an in- <laughs> such an interesting story. And you know what? You know, people always have, you know, they judge people, obviously, based on their past sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all guilty of that. But you know what I mean? Will... It, like, it should be easy to erase somebody's past once they've done good in the future. Yeah. And, and I think because there's always somebody going to pull it back and there's always somebody going to still, like somebody, I've, I've heard sorry people still thinking that I do drugs and I do this and I do that. Like, um, you're always going to have some negative Nelly out there that just can't appreciate yeah. what they've been doing. And we gotta live with them people. Ireland is full of this this type of people. The people, you know what I mean? Unfortunately, the yeah. Irish are great, great people, but they don't like to see their own doing well. No, there's a lot of begr- there's a fair bit of begrudgery in this country. They hate yeah. to do people doing well. Um, but as I said to me, finally, I just want to like, even finally out there that struggling pal. It's I just believe that there's a way out for everyone. Like, no matter well, who you are. Okay, yeah, I, I mean, and there is for anybody struggling listening tonight, you know, no matter what it is, be it an addiction or addicted to crime, even whatever it happens to be, you, there you is a way. You don't have to be an addict to struggle. Yeah. You don't have to be uh, a gangster to to want a better life. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I just to say to people all, just because, just because I had a bad background doesn't mean that on my background's any stronger or better than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. We're all in the exact same boat and we're all trying to get to the exact same destination. Just well, to live a longer life and, and have a peaceful life. Well, George, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, and if anyone wants more information, by the way, you can go to gforcefitness.ie. That's the, the website, gforcefitness.ie. Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.